Help. I've fallen. And I just don't care. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Probably not. Almost none of us would choose just to stay in place if we had taken a bad fall. Yet, so many times, we hear of this thing called fear of failure. Is failure something that we should really be concerned about? Is failure something that we should really be afraid of? Obviously, failure is something that most of us would prefer to avoid. However, there is a solution. There is an alternative, a wonderful alternative, to just accepting your failures. So keep listening. That's exactly what I'm going to tell you about today. I don't want to keep listening. I'm getting pretty comfortable down here on the floor. You may not want an answer, but you need one. You're going to put this on your podcast, ain't you? Oh yeah, you better believe it. Hi, I'm Randall Sims, and this is my podcast. Jesus, the Christ, at the cross of Calvary, purchased eternal life for you and for me. Life more abundant. That life has already begun, so why wait until the afterlife to live that life to the fullest? Welcome to the most impatient Christian podcast in the entire world. This is Christ Life Now. to Jeremiah chapter 8. The prophet Jeremiah in this chapter, he begins to mourn the ruin of Israel, the apparent collapse and absolute ruination of the nation of Israel, of God's chosen people. Yes, they were chosen, but they just could not seem to consistently get things right. So God sent prophets and the old testament is is full of various prophets elijah elisha uh, jeremiah i could name several as as could you and in this book jeremiah is mourning and god begins to speak through him prophetically and he tells the people this he asks the people do people fall down and not get up or take the wrong road and then just keep going it sounds like he's being a little bit smart, Elliot, doesn't it? But he's not. He's simply trying to get across a point. If you're walking down the road and you fall down, do you just stay there? Hopefully not. Help, I've fallen and I choose not to get up. No, you get up, don't you? If you get on the wrong road, as I commonly do, especially if someone is in the vehicle with me, and I, I own that, I, I admit that, but I don't just keep going I find a place to turn around. So Jeremiah asks, so why does this people go backward and just keep on going backward, talking to God's people, to the Israelites? Why do you keep on going in the wrong direction once you've got started in the wrong direction? Why don't you turn around is what he's asking. You stubbornly hold to your illusions. You refuse to change direction. God, through Jeremiah, says, I listened carefully but heard not so much as a whisper. No one expressed one word of regret. Not a single I'm sorry did I hear. They just kept at it blindly and stupidly, banging their heads against a brick wall. Cranes, the, the birds, cranes know when it's time to move south for the winter, and robins, warblers, and bluebirds know when it's time to come back again. But my people... 
My people know nothing, not the first thing of God and his rule. Now, this is really tragic. It's really sad because, again, they're God's chosen people. They're the ones to whom the Ten Commandments were given directly. I mean, like, there was a mountain. Moses went up. He came down with the ten. It wasn't like we had to try to figure out or look outside of a restaurant and see if they had a monument that had the Ten Commandments on it. They were given to this people by God himself, his first choice people. God says, how can you say we know the score? We're the proud owners of God's revelation. Look where it's gotten you, stuck in illusion, stuck in your fantasies, stuck leaning towards your own understandings. Your religion experts... I love to think about religion and the death of religion. Now, if, if you're a person who's been to church a lot but ha- hasn't heard this concept before, religion is a set, of, a set of instructions that you follow because you're told to follow them and you're af- afraid of the results if you don't follow them. So we're not about religion because religion won't help you and it won't get you to heaven. But relationship between us and God through his son, God made flesh, Jesus Christ. That's how we make it. That's how we are successful. That's why and how we're blessed, through relationship, not religion. God says, how can you say we know the score? We're the proud owners of God's revelation. Look where it's gotten you, stuck in illusion. Your religion experts have taken you for a ride. I don't think I need to elaborate on that, do I? Your religion experts have taken you for a ride. They've pulled the wool over your eyes. Your know-it-alls will be unmasked. Your know-it-alls will be unmasked. I, I think I'm starting to like this message Bible. It, 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 puts it, it says it like it is. They will be caught up and shown up for what they are. You want to tear down that evangelist on television that you just disagree with because they bought something or did something that you don't think they should have done? You don't have to do that. They will be unmasked eventually. They will get what's coming to them, both the rewards and and whatever negative things they brought on themselves. So don't stress it. It is not your calling to drag them down. God will take care of that. Jeremiah says, look at them. They know everything but God's word. Do you call that knowing? In verse 10 through 12, it says, so so here's what will happen to the know-it-alls. I'll make them wifeless and homeless. Everyone's after a dishonest dollar. Little people and big people alike, prophets and priests and everyone in between. They twist words and they doctor the truth. Well, you know, if you want to get ahead in in the ministry game, you got to twist the words and doctor the truth, don't you? No, you better not. That's right. (laughs) My dear daughter, my people, broken, shattered, and yet they put on Band-Aids. So they're trying to put a topical solution on an internal problem a band-aid is great if you get a cut or a sting or a a a little you know some sort of laceration which i guess is the same as a cut but to use a bigger word and you know band-aids are good but if you're hemorrhaging internally a band-aid isn't going to do you a whole lot of good and that's what they were doing they were trying to to fix something that was broken and shattered with something small something external my people are saying it's not so bad You'll be just fine. Or rather, the, um, the, the prophets and the priests are saying, it's not so bad, you'll be just fine. But things are not just fine. Haven't you heard that? Oh, grace, grace, everything's okay. It's all going to be okay. There are no requirements or expectations. You don't really have to live by the instructions that God gave you. You don't really have to worry about keeping the Bible or knowing the Bible or listening to God or praying or evangelizing or doing any of the things that God told us to do because 
everything is going to be all right. Just because it's a song doesn't mean it's true. Everything, God says, is not going to be all right. Not really. Do you suppose they are embarrassed over this outrage? No. They have no shame. I like the way it says it here. They have no shame. They don't even know how to blush. There's no hope for them. They've hit bottom, and there's no getting up. As far as I'm concerned, they're finished. God has spoken. And then he follows up to say, I went out to see if I could salvage anything, but found nothing. Not a grape, not a fig, just a few withered leaves. I'm taking back everything I gave them. So God, through Jeremiah, is saying, you people, I'm just going to take it all back. I'm just going to withdraw. That was what God was, was essentially threatening to do because, because they were simply choosing to get on the wrong road, metaphorically, and just continue on the wrong road. They were choosing to backslide and never make an attempt to go forward again. They were saying, well, I failed in this situation if they even knew that they had failed. And then they decided, I'm just going to stay in this failed state. I completely messed up that opportunity. I completely messed up that relationship. I took that blessing and squandered it. And I'm just going to have to deal with that because that's what happened. Poor little old me. Sure, I'm one of the God's chosen people. Sure, my ancestors were there when Moses came down off the mountain with the Ten Commandments. Sure, my people were protected and fed supernaturally and clothed 40 years in the wilderness. We were delivered from bondage. How many times were we delivered from bondage? Yet from, from bondage. Yes, the Lord split the sea for us, but you know what? Feeling discouraged, so let me just waller in self-pity and never get up and try to do anything again. Have any of you been feeling that way lately? Oh, I just want to give up. If I, could, if I could even afford a shovel, I would get one and just dig a hole and crawl into it and, and give up and die. We feel that way sometimes, don't we? After all, we're only human. We're only human, right? But, you know, we don't have to just get in that hole and literally die, do we? We can pick ourselves up. They say that the difference between someone who's successful and someone who's not is that when the successful person falls down, they get back up again. They don't just give up. If, if you take this for just a second out of, out of um, Christianity and just go into uh, the, the world, just go into commonality, do you know that most millionaires, billionaires have filed bankruptcy numerous times before they made it big? It's true. Look it up. Numerous times, and then they, they made it big. So if you set a goal for next year, go ahead and set your goal to file bankruptcy several times. <laughs> No, not really. Don't do that if you, if you can at all avoid it. But the point is that they picked themselves up and they kept going. Jeremiah continues, so why are we sitting here doing nothing? Let's get organized. Let's go to the big city and die fighting. So I don't know at this point, he's saying, I don't know at this point how much of a victory we're going to have, but you know what we can do? We can die fighting. We don't have to just lay here and wait to be slaughtered or wait to starve to death. He says, I, going down to verse 18 through 22, he says, I drown in grief. I'm heartsick. Oh, listen, please listen. It's the cry of my dear people reverberating through the country. Is God no longer in Zion? Has the king gone away? Can you tell me why they flaunt their plaything 
gods. They're silly, imported, no gods before me. They're, they're idols, in other words, the things that they put before God. The crops are in, the summer is over, but for us, nothing's changed. We're still waiting to be rescued. For my dear broken people, I'm heartbroken. I weep, seized by grief. And then he asks our key scripture question. He asks a rhetorical question. He says, is there no balm in Gilead? Isn't there a doctor in the house? You dropped a balm on me, baby. You dropped a balm on me. So here's what Jeremiah asks. <laughs> if you roll your eyes, I will ask you to leave. No, <laughs> just kidding. Now he's asking that in a negative way, knowing good and well that there is a balm in Gilead. It's as if I were to see Jean and know that she has just fallen and broken her leg. And she's just sitting there with a broken leg rocking back and forth, and I'm thinking, you know, she really needs a doctor. Diane's over here offering her a Band-Aid, and I'm thinking, it's just not going to help. That's not going to help. And here's Kim and Kaylee and the, the medical team here telling her, hey, you need to go to the doctor. And then I walk up, and, and playing the part of Jeremiah, I say, is there no hospital in Meridian? Well, I know good and well there's a hospital in Meridian, but my point is, why aren't you going to the hospital, Gene? What's going on? Why aren't you? Is there no physician? Do they not have a cast that they can put on your leg? So Jeremiah is asking these, these people that he's mourning for, these people that he's not understanding why, when they've been given every opportunity and every answer, he's wanting to know why are you dwelling and wallowing in your sin and your self-pity and your, and your iniquity? Why does this continue to happen? Why aren't you coming back? from that road that you went down that was wrong? Why on earth are you just continuing to lie there when you know you just need to get up? People, you've been given all the answers. Is there no balm in Gilead? Well, of course there is. Is there no physician? Is there nothing that you would choose to do about it? You've got the answers. I love the story of, of this guy who says, he looks at this person and he says, Sir, there's a giant snake wrapped around your leg man and the guy turns and he looks and he's like oh yeah I thought I saw something earlier today but man no you're not hearing me right there it's, it's I don't know what it is it's like a it, I don't know if it's a boa or a giant rattlesnake but the point is it's wrapped around your leg oh yeah yeah that happens sometimes buddy I'm not trying to mind your business but is there not someone who can, who can maybe take a, take a knife or a hand or something and get rid of that thing, get that thing off of your leg? You're not, man, it's starting to bite you. What are you going to do? Yeah, and to be honest, it's really kind of starting to hurt. It's not feeling real, real, real good at the, at the moment. Yeah, and the guy continues to stand there with the snake on his leg until the, the thing kills him one way or the other, depending on whether it was a, a viper or a boa constrictor. It, it, it doesn't matter. The point is that he's dead, and, and that's unfortunate. But that's what Jeremiah, how Jeremiah is acting right here. That's, that's what he's saying. Is there no balm in Gilead? Well, of course, there was a balm in Gilead. Of course, the terebinth tree had not ceased to produce. And he was using this as a, a metaphor, of course, because thinking of the balm of Gilead as being a, 
a cure-all, very medicinal, but something that could fix their problem. Now, they weren't literally going to need to go and get some balm and and put on, on their skin in order to fix their problem, but they were God's people. They had the answer. They knew the regulations, the ordinances, the teachings of God. They were simply choosing not to accept them. Fast forward a a few years and we go into our modern day and we think about the state that this world is in and we start to wonder some of the same questions and if if we have any spiritual insight at all we can start to act a bit like Jeremiah when we look at the world. We can say hey if we isolated only to America we could say America, America, God shed his grace on thee. Look at the blessings that God has given you. People tried to tell you that there is separation of church and state. That is something that is absolutely taken out of context. Do you realize that? America was not founded by religionists on the foundation of religion. America was founded as one nation under God. Do you know the founding fathers, and I don't know what denomination they were. I don't know if they followed all the rules that you're comfortable with following, but, but largely they were believers in the Most High God. They were not just religious people or people with good, good morals. Many of them were Christians. How do you think in God we trust got to be on our money? How do you think that we became one nation under God. And why do you think that for, for over 200 years, America has been a blessed nation? We're a little bit like Israel, aren't we? Even though we've been blessed and we don't have to search around and try to find a Bible, we don't have to wonder, wonder what the word of God says. You can download 200 Bible apps on your phone before you leave the service today. The words are on the screen. I've got it right here on my tablet. There are several Bibles. There are probably 100 Bibles. Well, man, that might be a bit of an exaggeration. There are probably 25 to 50 Bibles right here in this church that aren't being opened right now. My point is that we don't have to wonder what the Word of God says or or, or search for the Word of God. We don't have to, to, to try to smuggle in little slips of paper like they do in other countries, try to smuggle in a few scriptures here and there so that we can memorize them, commit commit them to heart. We're a blessed people. We're a we don't have at least so far, we don't have to sneak around and try to worship God. We all came here this morning and no one was, no one was hiding or, or hoping that no one saw them, hoping that the authorities didn't find out. We didn't arrive to find an edict on our door that says you may not assemble. We're a blessed people. If you want to hear the word of God, you don't have to wonder, hey, does anybody know a preacher? Does anyone know someone who might be able to, to get a sermon to me? All you have to do is turn on one of the 20 Christian channels on television, on cable, or on the internet, Right? And there's, there is preaching 24-7. You need not worry. The word, the truth, the answer is available. Yet we largely as a society are choosing not to partake in it. Every day. The, oh, the things that just this year, the things that have happened that are in the news, 
the new decisions that have been made of what's, of what's okay and what's not okay. If you had told me when I was a kid that they would be allowing this or saying that this was good or, or, or making laws that allow such, such things as, as they allow today, I would have thought that was totally sci-fi. I would, have been, I would have been like, yeah, well, that's not reality though, right? That's not really going to happen. You know what I'm talking about? It's not really going to happen. I mean, yeah, maybe some, someday in some far-off future, but it's happening right now. Day after day, we're turning our backs more on God. Now, that's, that's America, and that's unfortunate. When the Scripture says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their lands, and I'll forgive their sins. When God says that, talking to his people at that time, the, the Jewish people, And we can apply that as New Testament believers. We can apply that and say that God's talking to us. But he's not talking to a country. He's not talking to America as we think. He is talking to you and me, church. He is talking to the church of God. If if we put that in a New Testament context. Church, it's up to you and me to humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways. Are you hurting and broken within? Do you long for an answer? Our country is longing for it and, and, and just so, so desirous for the answers to their solutions. And they keep, just like the people in, in uh, God's people in, in the book of Jeremiah did, they keep trying to find their answers looking to false gods. They're looking to the media. They're looking to this party or that party politically. They're looking to New Age doctrines. They're, they're trying to even find the answer from inner enlightenment. And then we have the church. And not to be negative, but church, and I'm talking to the church as a whole, every believer, everywhere, even more so than this country, we have the answers. We're not just someone who has access to it, but we, if you're a born-again believer, you have received, you have received the answer within yourself, yet we remain, too often, we remain sick. We remain in an area of, of insufficiency, not having the resources, not having, not having the faith to say, rise up, walk, take your bed with you. Well, we do have that available to us. We've got the internal cure for an internal problem. We've got the external cures for the external problems, but we're standing there like a guy with a snake on our leg saying, yeah, that's true, someone should do something. And we're all the while not understanding that the someone who should do something is us. It's you and it's me. Now that sounds very, very bad, very sad, very unfortunate. But just as they looked for this universal cure, this balm in Gilead, back in the Old Testament, they looked to this, this tree, the terebinth tree from the pistachia genus, right? Just as they looked to that tree, our answer also flows from a tree, the tree that was planted atop Calvary. Now this tree was in the form of a cross, but a tree all the same. And on that cross flowed the precious, precious substance that is a cure-all for everything that ails you. Physically, mentally, spiritually. Somebody shout amen, I know it and I believe it. <laughs> Let me assure you today, church, There is still a bomb in Gilead. There is a bomb. If someone should ask, if I should pose the question this morning, is there no bomb in Gilead? 
You can answer, oh yeah, there's a bomb in Gilead and my eyes have now been opened to the very existence of that and I'm going to start applying it. And here's the great thing. Jesus, when he was on that tree, when he was pouring out that anointed balm, we call the blood, it was forever. It wasn't a temporary balm. Amen. It wasn't something that expires. You don't have to pull it out from the bottom of your pocket or in the, in the back of your dresser drawer or in the, the very hidden pocket in your wife's purse that she even forgot she had and, and try to figure out, is this still good? Am I going to die of botulism if I apply this? Let's see. Expired in 1983. I don't know how in the world this got anywhere. But I, the bomb that Jesus gave us does not expire. We don't have to go and look for a fresh batch. That's, we want revival, but we don't need to get a, a fresh outpouring. We just need to go back to the original source. It's still as good today as it was 2,000 years ago. The blood of Jesus still applies today just like it did then. If you are spiritually hurting today, if you can't seem to wrap your mind around the things that you need to wrap your mind around because the enemy has you so confused that you don't know your left from your right, there is a balm in Gilead. It's called the blood of Jesus. If you are having relationship problems and you don't have the peace in your home that you know that you are supposed to have, you know that God intended for you to have, there is a balm in Gilead today for you and it's called the blood of Jesus if you are physically hurting in pain your bones hurt your muscles hurt you have to have treatments there is a balm in Gilead that is available for you today church and it's called once again the blood of Jesus 2,000 years and it hasn't expired it has not become rancid it is still a cure-all a literal cure-all for every Everything that ails you mentally, spiritually, physically. Peter says this in the New Testament, speaking of Jesus. He says, He himself bore our sins in his body on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep. You crazy, crazy Israelites, you crazy church people, you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus, I still remember what you did for me. Jesus, I still remember, oh gentle shepherd, how you gave your life on the cross of Calvary. And Lord, we return to you this morning. Can we commit to that? We return to you seeking the precious blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes white as snow. Peter, he was basically just requoting what Isaiah said in chapter 53, verse 5, that he, prophetically speaking of Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement that was necessary for us to have peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. We are set free. Oh, there is still church there's still a bomb in Gilead oh is there a bomb yes there's a bomb and Jesus he dropped the bomb on us if you'll forgive me for saying it again he dropped it on us he blessed us with it and it's ours to receive and ours to have are we going to lay down are we going to continue down the path that we've been going that isn't getting us to where we need to go 
Now, how many of you will, will honestly say that you're exactly where you need to be in every aspect of this life today? Hey, I want you to know, and this is for everyone who's listening, I love you even more. The creator of the universe loves you. And church, if God has a refrigerator, your picture is probably on it. If you've not yet become a member of the church, you can do that right now by coming into relationship with Jesus as your Savior. That's all it takes. Just pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I confess that I am a sinner. I'm sorry for all the sins that I've committed, all the wrong that I've done, and I turn away from those things. I repent of them. From this point forward, I will follow your ways, your teachings. I will follow you. I confess that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he came back to life three days later, and that he is the Lord of my life. In his name, in Jesus' name, I pray this. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, I believe you became born again. Send me a message. Drop me an email. I want to help you get started with some of the first steps in this new journey that you're on. Until tomorrow, stay hostile towards darkness and aggressive in love for God and for one another. Hey, be belligerent. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.